is in Jennifer Madden. If you like the strange or paranormal, you've come to the right place. But don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Right, first things first, I just want to say a big thank you to Amber, who helped design a t-shirt for us, which is up on Twitter, so if you can go over there, uh, have a look at it, see if you like it, let us know. Uh, we, we're real happy with it, so well, I hope you guys like it too. Uh, just before we get into the show, I just want to recap on the polls. Okay, so we had um, the Ice Bomb show, I think the poll for that was, uh, what are ice bombs? Anyway, it turned out that most of you thought that ice bombs were probably plain toilet waste so yeah make of that what you will uh, and then the second poll was the hidden history is our hidden history being covered up uh, well I think it definitely is um, obviously we did the show with Brian Forrester about this and uh, it turns out that you believe it's also being covered up 73% said uh, yes so that's the polls right so on with the show it's uh, Linda Godfrey today she is the go-to lady of cryptozoology you might say you know, she really knows her stuff. She's been looking at the Dogman, for instance, for 25 years since the Beast of Bray Road. And, you know, she's looking into uh, Bigfoot and wing creatures and these really weird fogs that come out of nowhere. A cornucopia of cryptozoology, you might say. So without further ado, I give you the great Linda Godfrey. Obviously, you're well known for the Beast of Bray Road. Um, which was, what, nearly 30 years ago now? It would have been about 25 years. 25 years. So it it's kept you in, in the, the game, as it were, for 25 years, this uh, dog, dog man, wolf man uh, situation. So, um, you know, what what's the draw? What, what's kept you in for that long? Well, mostly it's that people keep seeing this thing. Mm. Um, it's, you know, if there were no sightings, if that had been one little sighting and the end of it, I'm sure I'd be doing something else right now. But the thing is, it's 25 years later and I still receive one to two reports a week and not just of the upright canine. I also have received right from the beginning reports of, um, Bigfoot, large, uh, super large birds, um, other things that can't even be um, defined really, mm. um, anomalous events. And my most recent book, Monsters Among Us, which examines some of the more paranormal features of certain sightings, um, is my 17th published book. And they range all over the place. I did a couple of the, um, I did Weird Wisconsin and Weird Michigan. Uh, for their Barnes and Noble Weird U.S. series, um, and then follow-ups or sequels myself. I've done um, a true crime, true historic crime book. Um, lots of different things. I did a book called Ghosts of Wisconsin. Um, so I've hmm. done the, done the haunt. That's not my real bailiwick, but I've I've done that too. You know, gone to the the haunted places and yeah. the weird. Of course, covered everything from. Just strange, eccentric people and artists to um, those giant statues that become weird landmarks over time, cemetery features. So it's kind of run the, the gamut over the last 25 years. Yeah, that, uh, quite well, that sounds uh, that's yeah. enough to keep you interested, isn't it? So uh, yeah. just on that, uh, you know, the giant birds, what people are seeing. Are we talking about birds, in, you know, birds as in birds, or are we talking about something more dinosaur-like? Well, both. Yeah. Um, it's something that people see um, lots of weird things in the sky. And my um, second most recent book, American Monsters, um, I wrote because I had finally realized how many different things there are out there. Mm. And um, when I when I really started looking into the flying things, I realized there were far more of those than I'd realized. And they kind of break down into several groups. There are ones that look like giant raptors or hawks or eagles, and those are usually what are depicted as the Native American thunderbirds. Yeah. They're almost always yeah. people will call any big flying bird a thunderbird, but 
normally, if you look at the art, and, and I did research that quite closely, um, they're always showing a large, giant hawk or eagle. Then there's something that looks like a giant stork type of bird. Mm. And um, these have often spiritual connotations. They remind you of the uh, the Egyptian ibis-headed god. Um, they are meant stork-like um, creatures with stork-like wings are mentioned in the Bible in relation to angels. Yep. And there were a lot of sightings of this type of bird in Illinois in the 1960s. Strangely enough, there was a huge flap of that type. And then you've got, as you mentioned, the ones that look like they're ancient pterosaurs, although they were supposed to have died out millions of years ago. And then there's another um, category that seems a little newer um, that came out of um, our West Coast, West Coast states. And the term coined for that is bat squatch mm. because it's this thing that looks like some kind of a, a furry humanoid in the center, but the wings are bat-like. And um, I had one happen uh, just on the west side of Wisconsin. I'm, I'm in southeastern Wisconsin. And it rushed at the windshield of two men who were driving along in their big pickup truck. And the wind, the wingspan was at least as wide or wider than the width of their truck. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're talking about yeah. really, really big things here. And there's plenty of uh, reports of them around the world as well. I know the... Ahul, Very much. Yeah, Ahul, is it, in um, Malaysia and that? They've got similar, similar there, so... So, yeah. So, um... Cool, yeah. So getting back to the uh, the old wolfman then. Um, <laughs> Dogman, yeah. Um, Either way. Yeah. Um, should we, I mean, how would you best describe it? You know, for those people who don't know what we're talking about, what would be a, a general description of one? I know they vary, but... Right. Um, there's some variation, but the very, the, the different varieties are in the minority. Mm. Um, the, the majority of sightings that I've personally had over 25 years... Um, all kind of look like they could have come out of um, some real healthy wolf pack and just stood up and started walking around. In other words, they don't have any human features. Um, they have usually a long pointed muzzle. This is, and I'm going by what witnesses describe. That's what I try and stick to. Yeah, absolutely. They'll describe pointed ears on top of the head. Mm -hmm. um, there's eye shine. It's yellow, greenish yellow. Um, somewhere in that range, they have a fur that is, it can be smooth or shaggy, usually shaggy. The color can vary from gray to brown, black, and even a lighter, like beige and white type of color. Mm. Um, the most interesting thing to me is the fact that people will always say they were um, running really well on their hind legs, but their legs were bent backward. And by mm. that, they're meaning that the hawk, or what would be our heel and ankle joint, is up off the ground because yeah. canines walk on their toe pads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. canine legs yeah. essentially. Then so exactly, very yeah. And they leave canine footprints mm. um, unless sometimes it, if they're taking a big spring away from the soil or they're in mud, the hawk will come down and connect with the ground, and then it might look like there's this sort of odd heel mark and make a longer um, sort of print, but. Um, they have claws and toe pads, just like a canine. Well, we've um, sorry, we, we've got uh, you know history. You know, in the UK, we've got a history of uh, or folklore, if you will, of these black dogs being seen right back to yes. the 11, you know eleven hundreds. But um, right. you know, and obviously, you've probably heard of black shook and all them. But um, mm -hmm. if uh, you know, coming up to to, to modern day, uh, just in this area where we are now, Lincolnshire. There's been a lot of reports of black cats being seen, okay, and then people are going out looking for these black cats, and they're coming across footprints, and they're taking footprints of these what they believe to be big cat footprints, and actually when you look at them, they're uh, they're more canine than um, than cat-like, and they're actually uh, you know coming in the range of five inches plus, um, you know, so it, I mean that's going to be big for a cat, so right. 
So, you know, maybe we are seeing evidence of, of these creatures. Uh, and not only that, but there was a, I know I mentioned it to you earlier, but there's a re- recent case in Hull, which is, you know, 15, 20 mile up the road, where, and this is some par- parallels to uh, the Bray Road case, actually, because there was a, a couple that was driving along uh, the road and they saw what they believed to be a shaggy dog uh, sitting at the side of the road, just ahead of them. And as they approached it, this thing stood up. It was actually eating roadkill at the side of the road, or what they believed to be roadkill. As it stood up, mm-hmm. it, it was, uh, you know, stood up to its t- uh, hind legs, and it actually picked up the carcass which it was eating, which was turned out to be uh, yeah, a German awesome. Shepherd yeah. uh, dog. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, so it picked this up, and then it, it bounded, and they said it must have cleared a good... It actually jumped over this uh, ditch, or, you know, this uh, little waterway there that runs there, and actually cleared... They said it was a good eight-foot leap. That this thing did with the uh, German Shepherd in its mouth, uh, and they describe it pretty much just as you described the the dogman uh, there. So, I mean that that's you know if someone hadn't seen the Bray Road situation, I mean well, that's pretty similar to uh, and I mean that's in the UK and you know, obviously Bray Road was in America. So, and then um, I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, have you heard about that case or? Um. That particular case, I haven't, but um, I was going to say it reminds me very much of uh, another case that was reported to me some years ago of a young man whose dog went running after something. There was a horrendous howling noise um, outside, and he had a German Shepherd, and it went out running and was you know, just gone from him before he could get to... Um, the dog, and he finally came upon him in sort of a clear. He had just plunged into these woods and was looking for him, and came upon a clearing in time to see this um, upright, huge, muscled canine liter- literally tearing his dog apart. Oh, nice. And wow. he he had to leave, and the next day he went back, and there was virtually nothing there but a few bones and things. Mm. So it made me it made me think of that, and um, it. In general, they do seem to want to attack dogs, go after dogs. You know, they yeah. don't dogs for yeah, some I've, reason. I've, uh, I've seen plenty of cases where people have reported dogs going missing. So, right. yeah, obviously nowadays people well. um, people who believe in this, uh, you know, a lot of people think it's some sort of genetic experiment, um, you know, done by the government or whatever. But for me, um, I'm not quite sh- convinced on that because of the the uh, the uh, history, you know, going right back uh, of these things, and I'm, when I'm, I'm talking about the design of syphilis, is it in um, India mm-hmm. and Africa, and up to, you know, even recently, people in Morocco still swear to see this uh, upright walking canine, which is more hyena-like, um, you know, in um, appearance, you know, it's spotted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we, we did a show, didn't we? Yeah. So Dogman as well. So genetic experiment. I mean, where do you stand on? I mean, I guess what I'm asking is, do you believe that these are a flesh and blood creature or supernatural? You know, where where you where you tend to lie? Well, you know, at first, um, I really thought because uh, when I only had a very limited number of sightings, yeah. and back in '91, '92, really nobody else was collecting sightings of these things. You know, it was all Bigfoot. And nobody wanted to pay much attention to um, something that looked like a, a, a werewolf, for lack of a better word, because I never did believe that they were werewolves from the beginning, and I still don't. Not not your traditional Beast of Javadon style werewolf where yeah. people, yeah. Are, people and, are tearing into them, yeah. And they get killed with a silver bullet, and that yeah. sort of you know, that, that's not what I think these are. Um, my first thought, and I still think this is a valid theory and it could be true, is what I call the indigenous dogman. And that to me would be something that started out as maybe uh, one or two or even a pack of normal wolves that somehow had uh, just one of those mutations that sometimes happens in nature where they had larger paws, mm. which would, would have given them um, an ability to stand up and run on their hind legs more easily than than normal. Any mammal can walk and run on its hind legs if it's injured or trained by a human, yeah. and it has a really good reason to. But 
they don't usually because it's not how their frames are constructed. But if if uh, it had had larger paws that gave it a better base and then also enabled the forepaws to grasp and hold things. And to be um, truthful, this is one thing that many, many witnesses report is that They'll say it was just like a canine, except its paws were elongated so that the toe pads looked almost like fingers. Yeah. You know, it still has the claws. They're still not true hands, but they're longer. And so, and you can imagine, especially um, around the prairies of Wisconsin here, where we have such a, um, that, that would describe where Bray Road is, um, if you were looking or walking through tall grasses, looking for prey, if you could stand up and walk, you could see the prey coming toward you much more easily. Hmm. Uh, you could pick it up and carry it over your shoulder once you got it rather than having to drag it off on the ground where other things could fight you for it. So you can imagine there would be some um, advantages to doing that. However, over the years, um, I've, I've received enough other reports from witnesses that seem just as credible as the ones who just see it run across the road or do something sort of mundane like that, where um, I have had to start thinking, well, you know, maybe there is another side to this. And I have to say that right from the beginning, um, Native American friends and, and acquaintances that I've interviewed, I've tried to interview tribal elders whenever possible, and even one um, Ho-Chunk elder who's also an anthropologist. And mm. what they say... Their their legends or, or uh, culture stories about these creatures, and they do have them about these creatures, not just Bigfoot. Mm, that's um, that's, yeah. that's what I was saying about the you know the genetic experiment. I don't buy that because of the history of them. Uh, there is um there is a link between uh, Native American sites, uh, mounds, uh, you know the, the you know the mound locations, things like that, the graveyards. Um, and these creatures, um, I know you've touched a little bit on that. What you know, have you drawn any conclusions as to why? Um, I have, and I'm, I'm going to finish up a thought real quick, which was that their their belief in these things was um, that they were very ancient, and that they both came originally from what they called the spirit world. And sorry, I thought I turned my <laughs> their phone off. <laughs> I will do that right now. Make sure that it. Well, that was someone playing harmonica. Yeah. I was going to say it was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, blue blues riff there. <laughs> um, so anyway, they believe that this that they could go back and forth between this world and what they call the spirit world, what we might call another a world in a, in another dimension. Yeah. In modern terms, and that. Um, fits so many descriptions that people have had of these creatures um, either popping in and out, disappearing. Um, they'll see tracks that go partway into a field and then stop in the middle of nothing or vice mm. versa. Um, sometimes there are strange lights, red eye glow, which isn't normal for a canine, although it is normal evidently for Bigfoot. But it just fits so well with... Um, with that paradigm that um, I haven't ever been able to dismiss that out of hand either. Mm. So I guess I, I sit firmly on the fence. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and there are possibly other explanations that we don't know. And as far as the, um, the military experiments go, um, I'm sure there are plenty of things that go on in the labs of not just our military, but um, government science, uh, scientific groups of all kinds, and privately funded and um, international uh, things in other countries that we don't know about. So I can't really dismiss that out of hand either. It used to be impossible. You couldn't breed um, different species, but now people can do gene splicing and you know insert particular genetic characteristics in the correct place. Um, we've sequenced the genomes of all these animals. So it, you have to start taking it a little more seriously in my book that maybe there, these are some splice and dice creatures. I don't know. Yeah, the, the more modern ones definitely, you know, could be weaponized or, you know, I guess mm -hmm. there's plenty of reasons why you might want to do that. Um, right. So this uh, dimension aspect to it all, uh, and there, 
there is some um, cases, I guess, which involve you know lights in the forest. Uh, I would even go as far as to say UFOs, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not just Dogman; that's Bigfoot as well. Um, where do you stand on the link between UFOs and and these cryptic creatures? Well, um, that was something that I had really been noticing in more recent years too, and. They're not always the nuts and bolts type of UFOs, but sometimes, you know, the, the ball of light that we, the, the glowing spheres that we don't know what they are, but they often get called UFOs because they're identified, they're flying, and they're objects. Mm. I've seen one of, seen and experienced one of those at close quarters with two of my colleagues where we all saw the same thing in a field where we'd had sightings and many strange events going on. So I believe there's some link and um, again, in the Monsters Among Us book, I set out to do something a little different than my other books. Wherever somebody had sent me a firm enough date and time when the, and place when this occurred, um, even if they didn't mention UFOs, I went online and checked out. You know, we've got a couple of great um, UFO databases available to anybody, and found that indeed there there were more connections to UFOs than I would have thought. Mm. And so I was looking. I was looking for UFOs, um, solar flares, moon phases, and any other associated um, things that some people might call supernatural. Um, sometimes I think these are just things not known to present science is a better way to, to put it. But um, I just wanted to see if there were correlations, and I found that there really were. And interestingly, um, I found more correlations to solar flare than I did to moon phase. Hmm. So it's possible in that these UFOs, or so-called craft, could be there to open a portal, you know? Mm. In and out. Right. Could be right. A, they, could so, be, they could actually be present and have this machine open a portal. It could be some sort of energy Yeah, they, they project a certain energy, and then these dogmen or creatures come in and out. Possible. What do you... Um, I mean, because with the dogmen themselves, I mean... Or, or wolves, if you like. Normally, we're, we're talking about pack animals. Um, I notice a lot of these cases involve... Would you say the majority of cases that you get involve a lone animal rather than a packs of animals, if you like? The majority do. In most cases, it's one lone animal, one lone um Wolfman, dogman, whatever you want to call it, mm. but not always. I've had people um, observe two of them trotting alongside the the road, uh, sort of in tandem, almost as human joggers would do, except they were obviously um, wolf-like creatures. These people mm. passed right by them and had a very close daylight look. Um, one of the most extreme would be a story that I covered and investigated and that was published in my book, Real Wolfmen, True Encounters in Modern America. And then it also, um, the producers of Sci-Fi's um, Paranormal Witness Show called me and, and uh, asked for the contacts and that sort of thing. And it was featured on Paranormal Witness as the main wolf pack because oh, yeah. it occurred in Maine. And this was where um, a, a middle-aged couple... And this this woman was still really pretty terrified of it. It had been several years since it happened. But she and her husband were sitting out on their front porch at night drinking coffee. After dark, they often had deer come up to a pond on their premises. And so they liked to keep a big flashlight. And every once in a while, they would turn the spotlight on the yard to see if there were deer. And the hus- they had both gotten this very uneasy feeling this one evening. And the husband grabbed the light and shined it just in time to see there were three upright wolf-like creatures coming toward them from one direction and two creeping up from another. They were flanking them, mm. and they were they were quite close. And they just had enough time to get in the house and slam the door. And the creatures didn't go away. They stayed there all night, and they were able to observe them at great length. They, bo- they both drew... Um, sketches of them. They had seen them walk under a shed door that they knew was seven feet tall, so they knew to estimate their height at about six, six and a half feet. And um, they called 911, and 911 told them to call the, the local conservation officer. 
the local conservation officer told them just to stay in the house with the doors locked mm. <laughs> as if they could do anything else. Yeah. And um, they finally they finally drifted off for a few hours um, near dawn, and when they woke up, the creatures were gone. But they'd been able to look out and see their eyes shine, all these sets of eyes shining back at them any time that they went to a window and looked out. Mm. And that so, was five animals. Yeah. So... I guess in, in a situation where you're talking about more than one creature, I should really ask about communication between them. Has there been any uh, reports of how they go about communicating with each other? Because, you know, like obviously Bigfoot, we, we hear about uh, right. ho- hoops and hollers and uh, tree banging. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, knocking stones and such. So, Dogman, dog is there any... Uh, the to yip, don't they? Yep. Yeah, something. we've heard barks and stuff like that. Barks, but have you got any cases where you know people actually said that these things were communicating? Well, um, not like really not in the way that that it happens with Sasquatch. You know, mm. there have been a few witnesses who have observed and heard them making a peculiar sort of growling noise, mm. and. Um, you know, I've had them reproduce it for me, and um, men men totally unrelated to one another had no idea the other one was contacting me. And within a certain time frame, both both created this sound that I personally would describe as, remember the uh, old-fashioned cappuccino makers that everybody had maybe 20 years ago? Yeah, yeah. Where they would, they made this ungodly noise that went... Yeah down in pitch it was kind of like and I'm I'm doing terribly but these guys did it pretty well it was um, spine tingling to hear them do it but it went up and down like that and it was very menacing and threatening and I've since had a few other people describe that sound too Um, some people have felt that they heard them howling because they would hear the howl and then see the, the creature later but they it's very unusual for anybody to actually see it howling, so you have to just assume that, that was what it was. If you if you aren't laying eyes on the creature when it's making the noise, it's hard to say definitely that it's coming from. Mm. But if it looks like a natural wolf and and um, has all the other attributes of a natural wolf, I would presume that it can and does howl and, and make sort of the same noises. Now, yeah. talking communication. This is something that when you go to um, thinking about the supernatural side of it, um, it may not be supernatural. It may just be something that they're able to um, make a false impression on the witness. It may be the witness reading body language. But Mm. so many people, when they're telling me their reports, will get to the end and they'll say, okay, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I felt that it was sending me some sort of a message. Yeah. Not in English. But it made me know that if it wanted to, it could jump up on the hood of my car, mm. or it was it was gonna um, chase me, or I should go home, or I shouldn't look at it, or um, I think the one the one that shook the woman up, uh, one of the women up the most. And it's not just women; it just happens to be a woman in, in this incident. Was that she felt it communicated to her that if she told anyone that she saw it, it would come and find her and get her. Mm. And she didn't even tell her husband for almost a week. And then she was still so shaken up, the husband was the one that called me. Mm. And can, um, you imagine, can you imagine being that scared that you don't even tell your partner? It's, right, right. It's incredible, isn't it? Do, do, you, do you think this is possibly uh, infrasound than what we're looking at? Um, I, I don't know. I think definitely infrasound. I, I believe more and more that infrasound is related in, in the cases of the Bigfoot. Mm. Um, because they tend to do this thing where they're not just—they're not really just impressing something on your mind. They, people feel it viscerally in their bodies. You know, they feel this vibration. They may be—they may feel suddenly sick. Um, I've seen this actually happen to a couple of colleagues of mine when we were in um, a Bigfoot-inhabited area, and it didn't seem to bother me. But these two six-foot-one men, you know great strapping fellows, um, got very ill all of a sudden and had to go away from the area and sit down, put their heads between their knees and drink some water before they could go on. Mm. Um, and I've, I've also 
been in a situation where I was investigating what looked like a, a Bigfoot sort of a trail side lair to me. And um, I had this, suddenly this horrible gagging smell, and it was almost as if I'd been um, scent bombed by a skunk, except it wasn't a skunk. This was midwinter. There were no skunks about, and it didn't smell exact. It had a musky, skunkish odor to it, which is what people associate with Bigfoot. Yeah. And it was um, obviously a get out of here. And my uh, hiking partner that I was with that day also had the, a few seconds later, he doubled over, you know, just almost overcome with it. And we had to leave the spot. And there's no other reason that I can think of. So I guess you could consider that kind of a form of, of communication too. Mm. But um, as far as, uh, you know, I, I think the, the communication between um, or the difference between the dog man and the Bigfoot is that the, the Bigfoot is a lot more vocal. And, and it might be because it appears to be constructed much more like a humanoid. So it has the, the hyoid, hyoid bone. I, I have a hard time pronouncing that. Yeah, I know what you mean. The, the vocals, yeah. Yeah, this particular bone in its throat that enables speech that they've discovered in Neanderthals, yeah. you know, and some other um, types of humans. And the canine, I wouldn't expect that to have so much. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah, that was part of the reason for the question. I just wanted to see if uh, if the if we were actually talking about uh, some sort of mutated canine uh, or if there was something more going on. So, uh, I mean, that, that looks that's what I'd expect to find. So, yeah. So. Yeah, Linda, has there is there any is there ever been a, any clashes between Dogman and Bigfoot? Any you know, because I've been looking through the shows and other, you know, and I can't really find any, uh, if there any, mm. you know, review, uh, this or ever so a dog they, man or a Bigfoot clashing together. Do they work together or are they, you know, diametrically I mean, they must meet, you know, they must, yeah. you know, it's a big place out there, so. Well, I think so, and it's that's a little bit exacerbated by the fact that their favorite food for both of them seems to be deer. Mm. And. So, and deer can conquer quite a wide variety of terrain, but the way it breaks down for me as I see it, um, because I do a lot of mapping out of areas, um, and look, I look at things on Google Earth and that sort of thing, and what it appears to me is that they have territories carved out for, for themselves within deer-rich or other game-rich areas. Right. And as an example, um, I was just somebody was uh, here to interview me yesterday, and we were taking a little drive through the Kettle Moraine State Forest, which is um, a very large swath of mostly um, untouched timber growth. There are there um, are very deep. The kettles are these very deep depressions that were left by the last glacier, and then there are ridges between them where most of the trails are, and most people don't ever go down in the kettles because they're filled with brambles and things and uh, you'd be pretty much toast if a predator saw you down there and decided to get you you couldn't get up in a way mm. so but they're wonderful for deer and if you do when I look at my map and I map out where the the um, dogman sightings are and where the Bigfoot sightings are I can almost draw a perfect line going right along the edge of where the deep kettles start and to the east is prairie and to the west are these um, deep kettles and the pine forests, which sound a lot like the terrain most that most conforms to, um, you know, the, the Bigfoot states out on the west coast, yep. where they have mountains yep. and pine forests, and that seems to be their preferred habitat. And the dogmen seem to like the flatter ground, probably because they can run easily on it, and um, you know, it's suited for their height. There are lots of cornfields which are great for producing deer and, and feeding deer mm. and, and all that kind of thing. Um, as far as actually one-on-one -on -one clashes, I've never had that reported to me. Um, I, have a, I have a feeling that over the years they've kind of worked out their territories and they leave one another alone. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, I've, I've, heard, uh, I've heard Native Americans say that they mix like oil and water. Um, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, what's the um, stay away from each other? Yeah, because I noticed a lot of cases yes, that, uh, that uh, waterways uh, are used as travel routes, if you like, 
um, mm-hmm. for these dogmen. Is, is that yeah, some, yes, you go along with that then? Yeah, um, there's almost always some sort of water very close to where either of these are sited. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, especially rivers um, are are well liked, and and marshes. They both seem to like marshes. They also both seem attracted to following in the routes of uh, railroad tracks and also heavy-duty power lines and, and by power stations. Yeah, I think that's most likely because of the prey, isn't it? Um, the uh, deer and such will use those sorts of routes to, to move about, um, you know, as natural yeah. as unnatural walkways, if you like. Yeah. Well, um, you know, rather than going through the woods, so... Right, but then there's also there's the other camp too that says, well, if they're coming here from another dimension or another place, and maybe they don't get everything they need from, um, you know, eating the the game that's here, maybe they're able to draw some sort of electromagnetic energy from the EMF fields around the power sources. Mm-hmm. Um, military places are another. Um, often mentioned place that these things are seen. And then there's also that similarity to your big black dogs, the black mm. shook and everything, yep. where um, crossroads are mentioned inordinately often. Um, churchyards, cemeteries, yep. sound familiar? Mm. Oh, I, I wonder if the... Uh, yeah, we're getting onto the ley lines. Ley lines, uh, definitely, yeah. I think, I think it's ley lines for me. Um, but I wonder if the crossroads, uh, which, you, which you say comes up, more than more than uh, not, I wonder if the crossroads is just because it's it's the point where people stop rather than uh, you know if you're just motoring along you might you might miss these things but obviously at crossroads you tend to stop um, and I wonder if that's when people are seeing them because they're there all the time if you like but you just don't notice them uh, but the power line thing I totally go along with that that's possible the military place um, I wonder if that's more to do with the exclusion zone around these. Um, Military places, rather than the, yeah, you know, rather than they tend, they tend not to like a lot of gun. You know, if they're using those exclusion zones for um, firing practice and war games, mm. I, I don't think these creatures would like that. They they tend to avoid people with cameras, especially. They seem they seem more um, of, of um, in aver- in avoidance of cameras than they do of of guns often, yeah. which is kind of crazy. And people have tried to shoot them mm. without success. Yeah, I've heard that, you know. But that goes for the Bigfoot as well, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah. It's like they both have Kevlar jackets under their fur. You mm. know, it's it's very... Um, strange. Uh, strange and disconcerting, yeah. When you hear about people emptying a, an, you know, semi-automatic into one of these creatures and it might kind of say, ouch, you know, in it's whatever language it has. I'm mm. being facetious there. But or stumble off into the brush, but they never see it so, go down and die. So like these it's cases, definitely not off the earth. Then no, these cases yeah. where people have actually, you know, fired at these creatures, mm-hmm. uh, has there been no repercussion? I mean, I'd expect these things to to want to tear you apart if you did. I mean, you know, even if you shot at a tiger, it's going to come after you. So, do we get cases where people are actually uh, injured, maimed, or killed by these? Well, I would imagine if they're killed. You know, we would never hear about it or learn of it unless they had a buddy who saw it. Mm, that's the problem, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Um, and most of the time, when people have hit it with the bullets, it's, that seems to be enough to make them turn around and just go away, which is what they normally do anyway. Mm. Um, when people see these things, once in a while, something will chase their car for a little bit, or there'll be like an aggressive fake um, lunge at someone, and then they just keep running on their merry way. Mm. And this is like time after time after time after time for 25 years, and many, many of the sightings stretch farther back in time too. You know, and they're just so similar. Now there, there are some other minor types. Um, there's one that seems larger and more aggressive that sometimes people will report. This one does seem a little more often related to military zone areas, not always, um, and that's not the only kind seen in military zones, but. Um, that that seems to be a more frequent, slightly more frequent association. Then there are the types that do have more humanoid-looking bodies, and many people um, 
tie these to the idea of the skinwalker or the um, um, oh, well, you know, like the werewolf or right, right, yeah. shapeshifters in yeah. general is, I guess, the best way to put it, and where the body doesn't completely shift to total animal but retains the big shoulders, mm. you know, and the more human-like hands. And very often, um, the fur will be described as very sleek and black, mm. very tall pointed ears and a long muzzle. And sometimes, really more often than you would think, two people will refer to it as reminding them of Anubis, the Egyptian god of the dead, yeah. which uh, the jackal had in the very sleek black fur. So I wonder if we're almost looking at a cross between Bigfoot and Dogman in, in those cases. I don't, know, I don't know how that's possible. I can well, some, of these, some of these seem almost... Well, a lot of the Anub the ones that are described as Anubis um, are ones that show up in people's homes. Mm. They'll be wide awake. Some One has even occurred, you know, like in bright daylight in the morning. So um, I don't think it's it, it's always sleep paralysis. But they'll see them in the home, and oftentimes the creature's just kind of looking around almost like a tourist, and um, then it just vanishes right before their eyes and you know this is not just different, one or two, it's got to be uh, different dimensions it's yeah. so there's no point point of entry or anything like that we're talking about no, something that no it's not coming in they do show up at people's windows and doors a lot yeah but they don't usually come in and the ones that come right into the house and then pop away are obviously not of earthly natural flesh and blood origin so there mm. are these several types that seem uh, uh, I'll call them sometimes phantoms or this, this, the, the uh, skinwalker type. Um, you know, there's several different varieties that way. That's there are nice. also some that look, that never stand up, so I don't know if you can call them dogman, but they seem to get more and more prevalent, and I, my collection of them is getting larger. I think it may be a book on its own, but um, they look like very large, um, date like the days of the megafauna, you know, when we had the yeah, saber tooth yeah, tiger. Yeah, yeah. These seem to be the very large canines or canine ancestors, um, like the one that was part bear, part dog, called Amphicyon, um, yeah. for instance. And um, these should not be around, but people were seeing things that look an awful lot like them. Mm. I know you get a lot of um, uh, hyena reports um, in America, and I guess that. I guess maybe that's what you're referring to there. Then what? Just... Yeah, people will say it reminds them of a hyena because um, it has this ruff around the neck like the yeah. hyena does, and it's lower and lower slow, back end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a back you know a back view of them. So, um, the, and they seem to have like larger heads than mm. normal. So that's unusual in itself that you get hyena reports, isn't it? So I mean, I think the uh, and people know they're not really hyenas. They just yeah, yeah. Say, that's yeah. the best description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I say I was listening on the uh, Sasquatch Chronicles, and this one fascinated me. I just want to know what you think of it, Linda. Okay. Uh, it was called the Siege of the Locket Ranch. This was in Taylor, Mississippi, in 1948. I listened to this, and it was absolutely fascinating. Do you know anything about this? Um, well, I, I know that the gentleman who um, tells tells the, uh, the original tale of that, and, um, you know, I, I don't have any reason personally to question it. Mm. Because it, I said, it was, I was listening to this, and it really fascinated me, because, you know, uh, during it, the, he was telling the story about it. Uh, now, these weren't, to me, normal dogmen. They had intelligence. There was very mm. super intelligence, you know. Do you, do you yeah. find there's a correlation? Do you think that the dogmen are more intelligent than the Bigfoot or, or the Bigfoot are more intelligent than the dogmen or the same? Well, people, um, the dogman witnesses very frequently say, you know, I really felt this thing was looking me, looking me in the eye, checking me out. It seemed to have this little strategy of where to go. I really felt it was more intelligent than, say, just a bear that you would run across or any other normal animal in the woods. People mm. do frequently feel that um, the dogmen are this way. And um, I think that's also true with the Bigfoot or Sasquatch. And it's a it seems to people to be a little less surprising because they're so human-like that yeah. you expect them to be very intelligent. And they're unlike anything else that we have in um, the North American or South American woods. You know, we just, mm. um, we don't have 
tall, ape-like, human-like creatures. And, and when we do, we're like, well, maybe they are as smart as we are because they sure look a lot like us, except for the fur and the very long arms and size, you know, a few mm. details like that. So what... Um... So there is a difference between Bigfoot encounters and uh, dogmen encounters in this, uh, and I know you've just uh, you know mentioned it just a little bit ago, but this lasting impression that it, the dogman leaves on people, um, you know, this th- the almost fear, terror, which can seem to last for for weeks after the account, and I've, I've even heard reports of um, dogmen following people home, almost like right. a it's a game to them. I mean, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, and I think Bigfoot does that too, you know. Really? But yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Dogman. Um, I've had a number of uh, what they call in in cases of both uh, creatures habituation situations where they either follow someone home or in some cases just show up one day hmm. and um, hang around. They'll usually be seen near the tree lines. Then they'll sneak up to the house. Sometimes they're they're rattling the doors and. Both the dogman and the Bigfoot seem to do almost the exact same thing. You know, they'll kind of slam, especially the Bigfoots will slam their bodies against the house siding. Um, but they'll just be there. Um, the dogmen in particular seem to do this thing where they try to lure certain family members outside into yeah, the yard. I've heard that, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, using different uh, either thought projections or... I had one woman uh, where several family members had seen that she wasn't the only one or imagining it. And um, she felt drawn to go outside one evening. And she, this was a kind of an isolated rural home. And she stepped out in the yard and she saw her brother over by the tree line where the creature usually was. And she began to get alarmed for him. She wanted to call him back. And then she turned toward the house and she saw her brother standing inside the house just in his normal place in the kitchen, mm. all lit up. And she looked back at where she thought he'd been standing by the woods, and all she saw was the upright canine creature and was just able to get right back onto the safety of, of her porch. So that's so that's almost projecting something into her mind, then? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I said to you earlier, about that uh, Dogman story, about that chap. He was in his uh, uh, bedroom on his computer, just uh, typing away in his computer. Mm. Uh, there was no one in the bedroom just him. And all of a sudden he said he felt really frightened, really scared for no reason. And he just couldn't understand it why he felt fear. Anyway, he looked at the window and there was a dog man just outside his window. Mm. Now, you know, this guy picked up his, this fear, yeah. you know, and obviously... So that sort of sixth sense element to it. And, so the, uh, they are psychic, very psychic uh, you know, creatures. Is, is that common? That You know, people almost feel them before they see them. Um. Yeah, and... In some cases, it might be related to um, what your countrywoman Jenny Randall's calls calls the Oz, Oz effect. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, and I, I wrote about that a lot in in uh, the Monsters Among Us book too, um, because I started. I've been getting more and more examples of that where people are starting to recognize that it's something unusual. And mm. um, there are a couple. There's the invisible fear where people feel incredibly afraid. And it might or might not be associated with creatures. And then there's also something like um, a moving, seemingly sentient, sometimes colored mist that roves around in sort of a the shape of a column. Yeah. Not not like not like um you know when it's just misty outside and there's just kind of mist everywhere. It's not like that. This seems to go towards certain people or places. Um, I have one great story from a sheriff's deputy here in southern Wisconsin who was sitting near a woods that's actually noted among locals for having a possible vortex in it and where there have been Bigfoot sightings. And he's sitting there in front of a big marsh adjacent to the woods, and he looks up and sees this kind of um, green-colored mist heading right for his squad car. And he's looking at it and thinking, what is that? And it comes right to the car rolls through the car and shuts off all electronic communication devices and including the ignition in his car um, his computer his radio everything just went out and he thought at the time that it just moved slowly through um, and then he just suddenly was able to turn everything back on but when he checked the time he actually lost 20 minutes of time 
Yeah. That thing was there. Crazy. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't even know where you'd start to categorize, categorize something like that. It's, We've uh, had quite a few of these, and, and I'm, I'm noticing they show up more and more. They're like columns of mist. There's, um, again, in, in the most recent book, it tells a lot about um, a field where I've been assisting um, an area land landowner who started having weird animal mutilations on his land, and um, I have been working with him for about three years, and we've had as many as three trail cams up in his field, and um, with, with some success, he's got thousands and thousands of pictures from these things, weird lights, um, what we think is actually probably a Bigfoot moving through a field, that sort of thing, but his very first one, he set up this... Um, small deer carcass, it was 60 pounds that he picked up off the side of the road and trained the cameras on it and there's over the space of an hour, excuse me, a space of half an hour, picture after picture after picture of where suddenly this column shaped mist appears over the deer and there's no other mist in the picture, it's daylight yeah. and everything else is crisp and clear but there's this column that is thick enough, it's translucent so it obscures the view of the deer carcass, and when it leaves half an hour later, the deer is gone too. And the, there's the no entire deer. The the entire deer is gone, and there's no way anything should have been able to not show itself with the number of times that the camera was tripped mm. during the the time that that was there. And not only was the deer gone, there were very large um, five-toed canine-like prints that were really impressed deeply into the soil. So whatever this was carried the deer off, holding mm. it up. You know, there were no forepaw prints, just the rear prints. It was bipedal. So um, that maybe gives you some hint as to the activity. But um, in the many, many times, I think he did 17 carcasses before um, I alerted him that our DNR had changed their rules on transporting deer and uh, we had to stop putting the carcasses out so that's a lot and yeah. weird things happened I, I mean too much too much for me to go into you know in our limited time here but yeah. um, it's still ongoing as a matter of fact so I don't even know where to start with that I mean are we saying well, I don't know. Are, are we linking this this mist that people are seeing with the dogman, or is it, are these two the separate? And maybe uh, with all the creatures, yeah. all the creatures. Circumstantially, I mean, it it was the the creature was there. Something with a something with a very large canine print that walked on its hind legs. And that, that print couldn't have, couldn't have been there prior to the. Could this? Uh, no, leaving. this was fresh. Yeah. This was okay. Fresh. Yeah, and it actually took it took the carcass over a barbed wire fence and this property owner and a friend of his um, tracked it across another entire field before they lost it when it got to the roadway. Hmm. Interesting. So, um... It's Mr. Yeah, it's so that's the dog man then. I mean, what other cryptic creatures should we, should we be on the lookout or, you know... Um, I'm Four. sorry, I'm, I, I'm not sure if I quite understand your question. I'm sorry. I, I say we, we talked about uh, Bigfoot, uh, Dogman, and these winged creatures. Is, is there any other cryptic creatures that are out there that people run into that we should probably be on the lookout for just in case? Well, you know, water monsters are still seen. Mm. Now, yeah, yeah. you know, what? nearby you, you've got Nessie. And yeah, <laughs> and yeah Nessie. Happened. Um, and people do still see them. I think they're less prevalent than the sightings used to be, um, mm. you know, around uh, the turn of the 1900s um, into the 1930s seemed to be sort of their heyday. I think maybe it's because our waterways are so much more clogged with people and boats and recreation vehicles of all types mm. that maybe they don't have as much room. But they still seem to be there, mm. um, you know, and you'll see reports on them every once in a while. Yeah, and, I've, I've seen a couple of reports of cappers, uh, water cappers. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I've actually seen them in America as well. Really? Yeah. So, um, not not many, but you know, once one or two people running into them. So, uh, and obviously they don't 
they don't necessarily know what a kappa is at the time, but they when they describe them, it, it sounds something similar, and it, it's always in in or or about water. So, um, right, little people, um, um, especially the Native American variety. A lot of them are called the Pukwudgie. Yeah. Um, those sightings, as people are more aware that this is something they can see and report, um, there seem to be more sightings of those lately too. Little people, and these are people. I mean, and again, I've heard different uh, accounts of these. I've heard the accounts where little people can be, and we're talking about what we're talking about three foot, four tall, uh, three foot, four foot tall creatures, or smaller, or smaller. And uh, I've heard reports where people say these are green skinned. Have you had any of them? Um, I actually have. Yes, I've had several reports of um, what the people called little green men. Yeah. And it's surprising, but it happens. Yeah, see, that blew me away when I heard people talking about that. Because, you know, we, we, we obviously we have the turn of phrase, little green men, don't we? We associate with aliens. But um, it's just interesting that people are actually still seeing these today. And uh, and obviously it goes right back to the fairy folk, uh, you know, yeah, the Celts sort of and knows Scandinavia and, that. and you know, elves. Right. But then you, you know. get the other little person who is almost like a miniature Bigfoot. Uh, and again, this is, right. you know, in America, but also in like, uh, you know, uh, the Sumatran rainforest, places like that. Right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so, I mean, have you had many reports of those? Type creature. I mean, we're not just talking about like a, a a baby Bigfoot here. We're talking about a creature on its own, aren't we? Yeah. Um. You know, and people are wondering if those are related to that newly discovered hobbit species. Yeah, Flensis uh, or whatever it is. I know. I hate to pronounce it because I know yeah. every time. But yes, that's Homo flensis in it. Flensis. Right. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. I know what right. you mean. I start. I keep going. Flensis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know when to stop, but yeah, um, a lot of people have been really interested in seeing if there are links between those two, and mm. so there, there's lots of possibilities, and and we know there are, um, we have um, pygmy, so-called pygmy varieties of humans, you know, in, mm. in Africa, I, I know a lady who um, stayed with some of them one time for a while, um, she ran a medical mission. Uh, is, medical airplane mission to to Africa and experience life with them. Is this in the Congo or? Um, I I I couldn't tell you offhand. I'd I'd have to go look that back up. But but wherever they live, that's you know that's where she had been mm. at the time. So you know life is surprising in its variety, and um, I do believe that we have different gradations of energy, different gradations of electromagnetic fields, and perhaps different gradations of what we call reality. Yep. I I agree with that. It seems to me like it's more on a sliding... People say, well, either you believe in it or you don't. And to me, there's more of a sliding scale. And and that makes more sense, because the world is generally not black and white. No. Mm. It is said that the, there are seven planes of existence. Well, Into the seven planes, you've got seven grades of matter, all yeah. at the same time. You know, so it's uh, you know, and the, you've got your gnomes, your elves, your fairies, and I think they live on these different planes because I think they're all dovetailed anyway. Mm. You know, so well, it would explain why we never get a good picture of them because if they are vibrating, they're they're very atoms. I mean, all of us are made of atoms, and then yep. you know slightly larger units and we all have electromagnetic fields and if they are coming from a place where their electric their their body's electromagnetic field is at a slightly different rate than things on this cal this planet are calibrated to be um well that would make sense that they don't show up especially in our electronics Mm. i think uh Operating on different frequencies. Yeah. Which, uh, so, I mean, it all comes back to frequency at the end of the day. But the Dogman and the Bigfoot, yeah, I mean, what I frequency so. are they putting on? I guess, um, it's, uh, my, my, my uh, last question really is the uh, the rise in uh, not just popularity, but the actual sightings of uh, Dogman. Um, obviously, I mean, you're getting plenty of, I imagine you're getting plenty of Bigfoot reports, but have you noticed a, a rise in the Dogman reports? Yeah, the dog man, you know, just sort of exploded maybe three, four years ago. Mm. Uh, you know, when when I first started this out, as I said, 
um, the reason people began writing to me was because there was sort of a pent-up demand. Nobody else was really paying attention or admitting these things could be real. It was all Bigfoot, Bigfoot, um, and, and other things, and, and haunted houses. Yeah. And there were people actually denying that there could be such a thing as a dog man, and even hostile in the Bigfoot world, saying, no, they have to be some kind of Bigfoot. They, I they find couldn't... that absolutely amazing, that people who believe in Bigfoot cannot accept that there could be a dog man. <laughs> yeah, it did, yeah, and that's a little bit disingenuous to me, yeah. too. But um, that was what I was getting for a long time, and yeah. I just kept putting the... And not that it was all me, you know, there were other people. Nick Redfern has been one that has... Um, you know, written a lot about uh, the same type of creature, and, and there are others, but not right. like there are now. And I think it finally built until, you know, reached sort of a critical mass where enough people were seeing that, oh, yeah, what the canine really is. I would say, well, you know, if you were going to look for a chimpanzee and instead you saw a hyena, would you just say, well, that must be a snouted chimpanzee because I'm only looking for chimpanzees. It was the same thing with the Bigfoot and the dog man. And I think once um, we hit sort of a critical mass of sightings of cred by credible people where they were clearly seeing a canine, um, people had to start taking another look. And then some of the researchers started having their own experiences. I had two, two dyed-in-the-wool Bigfoot researchers who were out um, scoping a, a habituation area for Bigfoot that they knew about and ran into some dog men. And they wrote me and said, they said, we never thought that was possible but we've seen it you know so yeah. it just well, takes the awareness that was uh, my theory on the why we're seeing a, um, an increase in the sightings of dogmen is uh, is twofold really I mean it's the, what you've just touched on the fact that people know these things out there and they've you know they've got um, you know they could feel they, they can come forward and say you know I've seen that as well which is obviously mm -hmm. that's part of it but I wonder if um, you hear these stories, and I mean, you've probably heard the stories about uh, the military uh, going in and killing Bigfoots. Um, and I, I wonder if we're almost creating a vacuum, um, you know, by taking the Bigfoot out. And I know, like you alluded to earlier, these these you can actually plot on a map where dogmen are and Bigfoot are. And I wonder if by taking out the 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 Bigfoots almost, we're actually inviting these dogmen to uh, come into new areas, uh, which just happens to be closer to us. Um, what would you say to that? I hate to think that that's true because it wounds me to think of Bigfoot being killed. Mm. Um, but but you know, if, if it's out there, it's going to... But it's what, is, yeah. yeah. Somebody will shoot it right, unfortunately. Mm. But... Um, I think that it's possible because I think they do vie for one another's territory and that if, if um, you know, the Bigfoot are removed from one place, the dogmen will move in. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, a couple of summers ago, I had um, just three or four different Native American women from different parts of the country, one even Canada, I think, um, contacted me to say that there were menacing there were there was a dog man or two menacing me menacing me and that there were bigfoots around the territory of where i lived to protect me from that and to keep them ah. and keep them away yeah. and they were unrelated they were people who didn't know each other you know and and so one of them guardian of the forest aspect of the bigfoot then yeah yeah i thought mm. that was yeah. pretty interesting that makes sense Mm. So, like, so that's my theory then. I mean, obviously, deforestation could go a long way to what's happening as well. Uh, right. You know, and our encro encroaching into the into their territory, if you like, obviously that is going to increase sightings of both big man and uh, big man, <laughs> bigfoot and dog man. Um, I, I think if they're, I think if they're supernatural beings, which, which I think they are, uh, they run out. I, I know, you know, you know, it's too much evidence to me to say they're just normal. Fleshy canines, because they're not, yeah. I think, they're more. So, in some cases, yeah. But yeah. well, what, um, yeah, that, well, that, that's, uh, I mean, you've been super generous with your time, so, uh, thank you, Linda. If you want to tell people where they can find your your work, sure. Um, the best place to reach me to find a place to report your own sighting, to find a list of my books, bios, other things. 
um, is just to go to lindagodfrey.com. No W's are involved, just uh, the, the regular Linda Godfrey, L-I-N-D-A-G-O-D-F-R-E-Y.com. And you'll also find my blog with lots of um, posts about things that aren't in any of my books, and my blog's entirely free. You don't have to sign or anything like that. Yeah. And there is, I've got a story... Um, Werewolf of Southeast London, and then there's another one called Another UK Unknown Canine that um, you guys might find of particular interest on there. Mm. And, um, and you can oh. follow follow me on the blog, and that will also get you. Uh, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely have a look at that. I know a couple of cases in London based around um, oh, where is it? Um, that lock in London. I can't remember what it's called now. Lock. Um, Anyway, this one's, yeah. this one's by a famous old cemetery. I think you'll find mm. it. Yeah, find that, it I mean, it's, I mean, there seems to be a correlation between cemeteries and uh, and the dogmen science. It does. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, but you you will find that every church, every cathedral is laid on a huge. Do you ley think line. that is because the ley line link? Do you yeah. think that's I think, a possibility? I think a, definitely a, a connection there. Yeah. Okay. Great stuff, Linda. Uh, it's, Thank been, you, Linda. Uh, it's been an honour to talk to you because I mean I've I've been listening to you for years and years and years and uh, yeah. Um, it don't it don't matter how many times I listen to you, I find you interesting, which is <laughs> we take that any way any way you want, really. <laughs> okay, I appreciate that. And thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. No problem. See ya. Bye, Linda. Okay. Bye bye. 